0: Morning again. I have to get uh, on. There we go. I like to say again how much I appreciate Pastor Elworth and uh, Ambassador Baptist Church. I, I am honored to be able to come and report to you all God has done uh, today. You'll have to listen real fast. I have to do that. Seventeen years in uh, thirty minutes here, so uh, you have to listen real fast this morning. Uh, but again, uh, my wife sends her greetings. I know she wants to be here this morning. And uh, let me tell you a little bit about my family. I have, uh, as if you were in Sunday school this morning, I have five children, have four sons. Uh, Scott, he lives over here in Sterling Heights. Him and his wife, Kathy, have uh, two sons, our grandsons, uh, the most precious darling how can I put in devils in there too? Um, uh, uh, most wonderful grandsons, that somebody could ever ask for, but they're typical boys, uh, and uh, really, really enjoy staying there most of the time, and uh, so uh, it's a treat when we come to Michigan. Our second son uh, is uh, him and his wife make their home in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, about a an hour north of where we're staying in Wisconsin right now. Uh, our third son, uh, John and Liz. They um, they make their home in Green Bay, Wisconsin. He's turned into a cheese head. Um, and those people are fanatical up there. They are absolutely fanatical. Uh, I went to meet his future in-laws, and before I got to meet the future in-laws, my son's in-laws, I had to go to the stadium first. I mean, it's like a ritual up there. People paint G's on their houses up there, and they love cheese curds. I just don't understand all that. Uh, and so uh, him and his wife make their home there. Uh, my son uh, Tim, our fourth son, uh, he makes his home in Watertown, Wisconsin, the same town that we're in, only a few minutes away from our house there. He graduated uh, from Maranatha Baptist uh, University back in 2012 with his nursing degree. Uh, he also has, uh, has uh, uh, quite a business. He has established in photography Uh, we are we're praying Uh, he's had several young ladies that he's been seeing over the years and we're we're hopeful about the one that he's seeing now and uh, so he's the only one that's not married uh, out of the four boys and then about 13 14 years ago uh, my wife thought we were young enough to raise another another child and um, so uh, she basically said to me "says husband says you know, I feel like I'm living in the boys' dorm. He says, i got four sons. We have a boy dog. I have you. I would like to have a little girl. And so we started praying about it, and we did it the easy way. We went out and bought one. Uh, we, uh, we adopted our daughter from the country of Ukraine. My wife prayed that God would give us a lively little girl. And God blessed abundantly. And God gave us a very lively little girl and i am telling my wife now i said i don't i'm not sure if i'm going to be able to I'm, I'm not sure if i'm old enough i mean i'm going to be old enough long enough to be able to finish uh, raising her so um uh, god has uh, blessed our family and we are uh, we're excited to report to you all that god has done and um, again my wife says hello she wishes she could be here but with the uh, current situation trying to get our daughter through high school last year in high school and get her transitioning into the university there Um, this is what we have to do this year my wife's not traveling with me if you take your Bibles and turn over to 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 a passage with the name of the church Ambassador Baptist uh, uh, Church uh, this passage should be very familiar to you 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 verses 18 through 20 we're going to look at this morning and as you're turning there let me just give you a little bit of a background of this book of the Bible Uh, the Corinthian church was a problem church now Paul is writing uh, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. These are letters of correction. And he's dealing with the problems in the church. Um, But one of the things that as we look at this, this book of the Bible, one of the things that we'll see here is that Paul doesn't give an excuse that we should not do what we should be doing as Christians. He brings that in the forefront right here in this passage of Scripture. Uh, he deals with the problems, but he doesn't He doesn't sit there and say, well, you don't have to do this. You need a little bit more training. He doesn't say that. He focuses right into our duties as believers as we look at this passage of Scripture. Look at uh, verse 18. He says, In all things that are God, who has reconciled us unto himself by Jesus Christ, hath given to us... Now, who is the us? That is the Corinthian church. That is us as believers has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Another word there I see is the world. Our job is to communicate, our ministry is to communicate to whom the world the message of reconciliation. Look at verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. What a name to have a church called after. Ambassadors for Christ. That is our duty. That is our job as believers, being ambassadors, communicating the message of our sovereign to the world around us. Do um, God, did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. For he had made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We, as believers, are in ministry of reconciliation. Our mission is to reconcile man to God. We accomplish this task as ambassadors in our culture and alien cultures around the world. I was excited to hear that pastor was uh, in India. I'm glad somebody's going to India. It's something I've never had a desire or a burden to go is to India. And I hope you appreciate that as a missionary saying that. But God has not given me that burden. But how many people are in the country of India? Over a billion people. One-fifth or about one-to-one-fifth and one-sixth of the world's population is in that one country. What an opportunity. This message of reconciliation is my job, this is your job as believers, this is our job working together to reach the world around us. Let's ask God to bless our time as we look at his word this morning. Our Father, we come before you and we are so thankful for Ambassador Baptist Church and how they've been a blessing to us over the uh, the years. Um, they uh, they have been behind us. They've been behind us financially and prayerful support over these years. And uh, we are honored to represent them in Eastern Europe. We ask now as we look at your word that you challenge our hearts, challenge our minds for the need around the world, missions, the gospel being held forth as we look at this passage. We ask everything in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Recently in the news, many of you have seen the articles and news stories about a deadly disease called Ebola. The news report that, this is, a, this is a couple of weeks old, that 4,500 people have died from this virus and 9,000 is currently in- infected. As a matter of fact, that number is much higher here a few weeks later. They also state that many thousands more will die in the coming months. Ebola kills 70% or above of anyone it affects. What would happen if somebody found a cure to this terrible disease that cured at 100% rate? What would happen? Every newspaper, every news website, people would be talking about it on the streets, people would be shouting it from the rooftops, this great cure for this deadly virus. Well, ladies and gentlemen, the world suffers from a, a much greater virus than Ebola. This virus is called SIN. And the sad thing is that this virus is 100% fatal and it has eternal consequences. The Bible has a cure for this virus, but as, as a group of Christians, we are saying little to the world today. The good news is the answer to the problem which is reconcile, which reconciles man to God, that message is sitting in our laptops, this, on our laptops, on our, our, on our laps this morning. That is the Word of God. Our, our mission, our ministry, is the ministry of reconciliation. That is our duty as God's children. This morning, the question I must ask is, how are you going to play the part as a believer, a child of God, communicating this great cure? the message of reconciliation to the world. Three things we'd like to consider this morning, the great need of the message of reconciliation, especially in Eastern Europe, the great message of reconciliation, and I believe that believers need to ponder that message, the message, the cure for this virus. And as we ponder on it, we need to go and do that often to encourage ourselves that we have something important to tell the world about. The third thing is the great opportunity that we have today. So this morning, um, the great need of the message of reconciliation. Look at verse 19. To wit, that God was in the Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. The, The great need of the message of reconciliation is not confined to royal Michigan. It's not confined to Macomb County or Oakland County or Wayne County. It's not confined to the great state of Michigan. I'm from Michigan. I love my state. It's not confined here. It's not confined to the United States. It's confined to the world. I find it unusual. I shouldn't say it's unusual, but the word that God uses here is the world. Now, I love some theologians. They like to change the meaning of words to get their point across. Well, when you look at the word of God, you look at this word world, the word means cosmos. What does cosmos mean? All material, everything in the world, in the universe. So when we're talking about that, this is where God wants the message to go to, to the entire world around us. It's not confined here. Um, Paul is saying here, he's telling the Corinthians, is that this is a message to the world. In 1991, as I mentioned this morning, God impressed upon me the need of missions in Eastern Europe and the former communist countries of the world. If you're familiar with Eastern Europe, there's two philosophies there. The first philosophy was atheism. Communism cannot exist without being atheistic. Now, atheism cannot stand competing gods. So the god of Christianity was forced out for over 70 years in the former Soviet Union. The other one is the church teaching sacramental grace. Now, I'm going to talk about that after lunch today. It is a works-based salvation. And you'll come to understand that a little bit better later on today. Those are the two philosophies in that part of the world today. Now, in 1994, I had the privilege of going to Eastern Europe for the first time, my wife and I. And that was about three years after the fall of communism. Well, Belarus is still a communist country, by the way. But I was able to stand downtown. My wife and I and a couple other Americans, we stood downtown Minsk. And we started handing out Bible tracts as people would come off the train. Now, Minsk is not real big compared to some cities. It's a a city of about 1.8 million people. And the primary mode of transportation there is by trains and buses. Uh, Cars were not real popular yet. That has changed since then. But we'd stand there at the train station, and as people would get off the train, we'd start yelling, Padaric! 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 Gift! 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 And we started handing out Bible tracts as fast as we could. In a matter of a few hours, we handed out 14,000 Bible tracts. It was really amazing. They stopped to read it. That's what, you know, most of the time, here in the States, the first first wastebasket they find or they'll throw it on the ground. But there they opened up and started reading it. They wanted to know communism had lied to them all their life. So that obviously there must be a God because communism said there was no God. That's what's so exciting about that part of the world today. But one of the things that really impressed me is that when I got back home, I started looking at a map. And I started looking at where communism was in Eastern Europe. I'm talking Poland, Czech, Czechoslovakia now, Czechoslovakia today. Um, all those countries through Eastern Europe And then the former Soviet Union. And I started looking what part of the world that was. And I started looking and I said, oh my. How big is this? I started looking at the border, starting at Germany and Poland. That's where Eastern Europe starts at. And you start going across, all the way across that area of the world. And you get into into the former Soviet Union and you go all the way across Russia. I was amazed how big it was. Let me illustrate the size. If I got in my car on the East Coast at the Atlantic Ocean and I started driving across the United States, how many time zones would I go across? How many? Four, thank you. Four time zones. Eastern, Central, Mountain, and Pacific. Now, how many time zones are there in the world? 24 time zones. So the United States takes up four of those time zones. Continental United States, that is. It takes up four. Four. So, if I drive from the Pacific, um, excuse me, from the Atlantic Ocean to the Pacific Ocean, I've gone across four time zones. How far would that take me in the former communist countries of Eastern Europe and Russia? How far would that take me? Is that far enough, you think? Not far enough. So, after I hit the Pacific Ocean, I turn around and then drive across the United States again, coming back to the Atlantic Ocean, eight time zones. Do you think I covered? No. So I turned back around. I head all the way back to the Pacific Ocean a third time. Twelve time zones. I hit the Pacific Ocean. Have I gone far enough to cover the former Soviet Union and Eastern Europe? No. I turn around at the Pacific Ocean and head towards the Colorado Rockies. When I get to the Colorado Rockies, I've hit 13 time zones. At that point, I've covered the distance across the former Soviet Union and Eastern Europe. Ladies and gentlemen, for over 70 years, they have told the people there is no God. For over, excuse me, several hundreds of years, they said the only way to God, the ones that did teach in a church, is that by your good works, you just might make it to heaven. Ladies and gentlemen, today those doors are open they were more open a few, more, a few years ago. Doors have closed a little bit, but they are still open today. We have a great opportunity as believers, and we have a duty and obligation. If you claim the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, we have a duty and obligation that part of the world to tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, pastor sitting here now, in his mind, he, he was in India a few weeks ago, and he's probably saying the same, same thing about India. Our mission is to the world. That is our duty. That is our obligation as believers. The question is why do we have this duty and obligation? I'm glad you asked. The second point here this morning is, is that we have a great message. We have the message of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19 says, To wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world. The word reconciliation means to restore understanding, to settle accounts, uh, to remove an obstacle between two bar- parties. That's our job, is removing that obstacle, communicating the gospel of Christ. So few people understand the simple gospel of Christ. It always amazes me that how simple, that when we look at the Word of God, is, is that the simple plan of salvation. I love that Bible track. Simple plan of salvation. But religion makes it complicated. Religion makes it confused. I hate when somebody calls me religious. I hate that. Because religion is man's attempt to make himself acceptable to God on man's terms. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that we are a people of faith. We have a message to tell the world about. Um, why do we need reconciliation. Well, one of the things I I find as I look through the Word of God, the Bible teaches salvation about salvation and describes salvation in a lot of different ways. Have you ever seen, Pastor, how many different ways the Bible communicates salvation? How many different terms are used? I, I count, some people count a little bit more, I count 31 different that are used to describe the gift that has been given to us. Uh, one great, one, uh, great uh, term I like is adoption. Adoption is, is precious to my wife and I. We have adopted a little girl, and we gave her a new name. You realize that when we accept Christ as our personal Savior, He has adopted us. He has given us a new name. Before, we were a stranger to Him, basically. But when we accept Him as our personal Savior, we are adopted by God. Another term I like is the idea of justification. Justification is a legal term that declares us. When we accept Christ as our personal Savior, it declares us innocent at that point in time. A few years ago, the evangelical Lutherans got together with the Catholics, and they decided to work together for the common good. Uh, the ECT document, 1991. I don't know if you're old enough to remember that, Pastor. called the ECT document. It's the Evangelicals and Catholics together. And you know, after they sat down and they cleared all, they had no problems deciding uh, how they're going to work together. And they sat down and they made all their agreements together. And they had problems with one word. You know what that word was? Justification. And I'll explain the reason for that later on. But they spent eight years arguing about that one word because the definition is different for each of them. Justification, we are declared innocent when we accept Christ as our Savior. Uh, We are born again. We have the Holy Spirit that indwells us. But I believe the most important work we see in salvation is this word to be imputed. Imputed. And ladies and gentlemen, we've got to get this in our mind, what Christ has done for us. Why do we need to reach the world around us? We have something to give them that is so important. Can you help me? Can you come here for one second? I don't want to embarrass you, but I need you. you got the rest of the sermon. I'm going to sit down, okay? Okay. So, when we accept the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, what happens is, is that picture of my sport coat being my sin. And when God looks at Bob McKinney, I'm a sinner. And when we accept Christ as our personal Savior, through Christ's work, we see there in Second Corinthians chapter 5, through Christ's work, what happens is that Christ removes my sin and... He puts sin upon Himself. Ladies, that's, ladies and gentlemen, that's something to get excited about. That's something to tell the world about because Christ has taken my sins and put it upon Himself. But it even gets better from that because Christ's righteousness has been imputated to me, my white shirt. So when God looks at me, He no longer sees sin. He sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to get excited about the message that we should be communicating to the world around us, that message of reconciliation, that message of justification, that message of adoption, the message of our sins been imputed. This is what Christ has done for us. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Sorry to embarrass you. I've lost weight. I'm always looking around for a real big guy and get my sport coat too, and he can't get it on. And I look at him and say, "Yeah, I lost weight. Good." Um, I appreciate the pastor mentioning he noticed I lost some weight. I appreciate that so much. So, very first thing, ladies and gentlemen, we see here is that there is a great need. The second thing is that we have a great message to tell the world about. The third thing, very quickly, is that we have a great opportunity. We have a great opportunity. We as ambassadors have been given this job, understanding what an ambassador is. I, um, I met Ambassador Speckhart when I first got to Belarus, uh, even had dinner at his house one day. You can tell how small the American community is in, in Belarus. And I'm talking to Ambassador Speckhart, and I said to him, I said, and at the time our president was President Clinton, <coughs> and uh, so I was giving him a hard time, I said, well, what do you think about our president? And said very quickly, he says, Hey, he says, that, that that doesn't make any difference. He says, I have a job to do. I have to convey the message of our country, my president, to this country. Ladies and gentlemen, that is our job is communicating Christ's message to the world around us. I wish I could talk about this a lot more, but I'm running out of time here. So the question is, is that why is this so important? Well, Not only for eternity, but it also changes life for that individual today. Was um, in the um, dentist dentist, excuse me not the dentist office, but the the doctor's office. My daughter has terrible allergies, and was talking to the doctor one day, and she said, "Take her over to this office over there, and have they'll take blood, and we'll figure out what she's allergic to." And of course after they took the blood we found out she's allergic to everything um but uh uh, as we're there uh one of the things they do in poland which is very much like the united states is when you walk into the doctor's office what do they hand you each time the paperwork the paperwork now uh, i just love trying to figure out fill out the paperwork and then of course as a good husband i always give it to my wife to do uh so but you know how much fun that is but Can you imagine trying to do it in the Polish language? It's a challenge. So my wife and I are struggling through these technical terms and trying to answer all their questions. And uh, (coughs) apparently we're making quite a show in the office, everybody watching us. And this couple walks over and introduces themselves and says, can we help you? I said, thank you very much. They helped us go right through the forms. And afterwards started talking to them. And found out their names was Daniel and Marisa. And uh, they said, what, what are you doing in the country of Poland? And I said, well, I, I pastor the little Baptist church here in Boknia. Oh, we hate the Catholic church, she told us. <laughs> and I was in shock. I mean, you just don't hear those things being said. So after talking to them a little bit, I said, why do you come out and hear what we have to teach? And guess what? They accepted. You know, if you invite people to church... Sooner or later, somebody will come. Believe me, it does happen. So Daniel and Marisa came and uh, just had a great time with them. Found out that they were living together. Found out she came from a very abusive background. She wanted nothing to do with family or marriage. But her and Daniel, they met and they fell in love and they're living together. And come to find out she was pregnant. That's how come she was at the doctor's office that day. And over the summer and into the fall we found that they, 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 were, they were coming every service that we had. They were listening, and Christmas was approaching. And in Poland, they have a service on Christmas Day, sort of mandatory in the country of Poland. You go to church on Christmas Day. And so I'm, I'm thinking what we can do, I always did in the past, is that everybody would give a testimony. And so I'm thinking, well, everybody loves Daniel Marisa. We're very small. And, you know, I don't like getting having people get up when they have really nothing to say, and so I said to Daniel and Marisa on Wednesday night beforehand, I says, uh, um, you know, if we let you say something, what what might you say? And they both got a funny look on their face and says the other night we went home, he says we accepted Christ as our personal Savior. Well, she was pregnant out there at that time. They were living together. She couldn't go back home because the father would would just beat her. And so what does a pastor do? Do you marry him first or do you baptize him first? What do you do, pastor? A good question. I'm looking for an answer. The theological, what would you do? Would you baptize or you marry? I, we got them married. Three days later, we baptized them in the backyard. The swimming pool, that was Daniel and Marisa. I sat down with them for 10, 12 weeks. We sat down with the Word of God and explained what a godly marriage is, what a godly father is what a godly mother is what a godly home is according to the word of god and it's the most beautiful marriage you've ever seen today why because the word of god has power to change people's lives it's not only for eternity it's today now first corinthian excuse me romans chapter 10 verse 17 says faith cometh by hearing hearing by the word of god I had a man come to my house one day and this really, really, really struck home with me. Belarus. He's sort of a little suspicious when somebody comes knocking on your door because you're the rich American. They're always wondering what they want. And so uh, an older gentleman was at my door and I had him come in and says, I'm, I'm a friend of your landlord, Ivan Ivan is how we pronounce it in English. Ivan is how it's pronounced in Russian. So he came in, we're sitting there talking, and he says, Ivan told me that you're a believer. I says, yeah, that's how come I'm here. I'm trying to teach Bible. And he said, praise the Lord. And I'm just wondering, is this guy really a believer? or Is he coming looking to see what he can go and get off me? And as I'm talking to him, quick way is, what's your testimony? And so he says, well, let me tell you how I met Christ. He says, remember when the United States and Russia almost came to a nuclear holocaust? Now, younger people won't know that. I don't even know if your pastor is old enough to remember this. Does anybody remember what happened back in the early 60s? What happened? No, before the, the early 60s. Cuba, yes. Yes, a lot of people don't remember that time. Us older people, we remember that Russia put nuclear missiles in Cuba pointed at the United States. The United States found out about it. It's only ninety miles off our shore. And for three days, my uncle, my uncle lived in Florida, he said for three days you couldn't even go across the road because of the traffic heading to southern Florida because we thought we were going to go to nuclear war. Well, fortunately is that they found a solution and they settled down everything. And then all the submarines, there were dozens and dozens of submarines, both Russian an american or should say soviet union and american subs sitting off the coast ready for this great big battle well back then the subs couldn't stay underwater for a long time they came up and all of a sudden americans and russians are looking at each other through binoculars and this man that came over says i was one of those members on that that russian sub or that soviet sub he says uh during that time we're all looking at each other and we're waving and we're up on the deck and he says the strangest thing happened He said, this American got up and he starts preaching in Russian. And he said, I heard the Gospel of Christ. That was the day I met the Lord Jesus Christ and accepted Him as my personal Savior. Ladies and gentlemen, the world has a great need today. We have a great message to tell the world about. The question is, Is we're going to take the opportunity to tell people about it. To Royal Oak, Michigan, and to Eastern Europe. That's what a missions conference is all about, or a missions emphasis is all about. All it is is a local church having a business meeting deciding the fate of the heathen. That's what we're doing here. Ladies and gentlemen, what are we going to do? What are we going to do about our neighbors, our friends, our colleagues? Are they going to hear the gospel? Have you prayed that God will bring somebody into your life today in order to communicate the message of Christ? You see, without missions starting here, we cannot do missions around the world. We need to be outreaching to everyone around us. That is our duty. That is our job. Let's close in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, again, we thank You for the opportunity to be here today. We ask that You challenge our hearts. See people around us that are lost and going to a Christless eternity and pray that we have an opportunity to present the gospel to that person at least one time, at least once. Give them a clear understanding of what the Bible teaches about eternal life through Christ. We ask everything now in Jesus Christ's name.